everybody. Welcome to Thinking. <laughs> I can't even. You just said hey, and I and I already started. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, so this is Thinking Like a Lawyer, I and I am Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and that was Catherine Rubino from Above the Law, and we are here to talk uh, about a really slow news week. Super slow. Yeah. Nothing um, happened this week. Really? So uh, yeah. So weird. So uh, <laughs> things are moving really fast. So hopefully not. The entire world has changed by the time you hear this in a, mm-hmm. you know, in a matter of hours, hours <laughs> after this. Uh, but yeah, yeah like so our, our last podcast was published, probably the last thing people heard before the whole world changed. That's right. Actually, it was published like Wednesday morning, 20 minutes yep. before everything <laughs> went uh, went crazy. So, yeah. So there's uh, how's everybody doing? Good. No, good. No, okay. no, no one's no one's good. Yeah, everyone's well, lot. If somebody tells you, "Oh, I'm fine right now," I think that they're just lying to you, or in some sort of a cave. In which case, they would not answer your question. Yeah. It, so we, we so we so we had a bit of a coup, uh, and we're gonna a little coup. Yeah, a it's coup. a little. It's like a a chicken attempted, coup. Attempted coup coup. Uh, mm, yeah. yeah. I, I, I know there's been a lot of talk from from folks about what the proper terminology to describe what happened on Wednesday is. I lean towards insurrection. I think that's probably that that does seem to be getting the most uh, yeah, the most yeah. play. I also like that it uh, it's easy to make it a noun like insurrectionists mm-hmm. did blah 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 because trying to describe folks is something we've had to do a lot of over the past couple of days. Yeah. So on. Um, relatively violent mob overtook the Capitol. There were obviously some people, you know, like the son mm-hmm. of a Brooklyn judge and yeah. all who were, you know, wearing animal skins and horns mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people are goofy, uh, but that shouldn't detract from the people who had flashbangs and, imp- right. and, and pipe bombs and stuff like that. That's the other thing we're finding more and more as as more information comes to light is that Although there were definitely folks that are prime for ridicule, there were also highly trained folks, part of the mob as well. Current former members of the military and or law enforcement is what we're finding. And yeah, I mean, they did a paramilitary exercise. Yeah. yeah. So not great. Not, uh, not that said, good. we're going to talk about a lot of the fallout from this and mm-hmm. a lot of the legal, uh, we'll break down some of the legal takes of it. Um, obviously, sure. you know, we trust that a lot of our listeners are lawyers, not all. But even if you are a lawyer, you might not be an expert in these particular yeah, the 25th uh, areas. Amendment is yeah, not exactly. Something 25th that Amendment you spend scholar. a ton of time studying in law school. Right. So we're going to we're going to break down some of the issues there so that as you hear people on TV say stupid stuff, I'm not like, I don't know, <laughs> to throw someone out. Jonathan Turley, you see these sorts of people <laughs> say incredibly stupid stuff on TV, we'll, we'll be able to give you a little guide of what's going on. But first, obviously, thanks to our sponsors, in the, you know, as usual, we have Lexicon and Contract Tools by Paper Software and LexisNexis Interaction sponsoring the show. You'll hear more from them in a bit. But first, let's take a quick second to mm-hmm. talk. So we had this coup, and you utilize the insurrection term, whether mm-hmm. coup, whatever we want to deal with. As we're discussing this, uh, like as we're discussing this, articles of impeachment are being waved around on the floor mm-hmm. of the House, which suggests that we're soon to have a second impeachment, which is cool, like to have a, a sequel this quickly. Even the MCU takes a couple of years to make a sequel. Well, and I guess I don't know the answer to this trivia question, but this 
I believe it's true that's the first president to get two different um, impeachment yeah. actions. Uh, so before this, there had been only two in history. history. So uh, two within a span of a couple of years is really impressive. So we're, impressive is a weird word that yeah. you use right there. Yeah. yeah. So historic, so let, certainly. Yes. So one of the arguments against the uh, against the impeachment is coming from folks like Alan Dershowitz, uh, because shamelessness is a lifestyle, uh, <laughs> is that this can't be an impeachable offense because because Trump didn't commit, uh, like, because this is core political speech is the argument that Dershowitz is making, and it's not incitement, which, for those of you who don't remember your law school classes, would be from Brandenburg, Ohio. Sure. Um, so there's a standard for incitement. Right. You're allowed to say really inflammatory things and have that be protected by the First Amendment. And if somebody goes out and acts on those things, that does not necessarily mean that you're liable for that person unless a certain standard is right. met. Right. And I assume you have this standard ready to discuss. Well, no, I just, you, I mean, it was your job to research this. <laughs> was well, it? We talked about this. Yeah. No. So the, the standard is that the speech- It's been a be, long time since law school. Yeah. The speech has to be directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action. And it has to be likely. So a couple of hours. It, it has to be likely to incite or produce such action. This is an interesting question for Trump. Uh, I feel as though it's a lot easier to make this case against somebody like Giuliani, who was making in his trial speech, by combat. In his speech yeah. beforehand, was saying that we need to hold these people to trial by combat. Mm -hmm. Like that, that does seem to be telling directly. Directly, a angry mob that uh, combat is folks. what you should do. Yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. seems very, that, very into this prosecution yeah. line. Have we heard there? There haven't been anything besides rumors about anybody holding Rudy accountable, right? No. Uh, as of now, the prosecutors say that they are not considering any of the speakers who spoke beforehand to be possible targets of prosecution for incitement. That seems now, like something that might change after January 20th. Well, yeah. So uh, Trump's speech was a little closer to the line. I think that you're dealing with- You mean with, on the no, good side of the line? Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It closer to uh, acceptable. acceptable. Sure. Protected speech. That said, he did utilize phrases to a group of people who were known to be saying that they wanted to- and Kill and people. We we know that they are were armed as well. Right. To the extent that that was happening, he told them that they had to fight and fight like hell. Uh, I mean, that, that is what they did. And go up to the Capitol and fight Again, like hell. Again, what they did. Drawing the line from go to the Capitol and fight being said to people in that context is very close. Now, does it reach the level that you could probably prosecute somebody just in a standard situation? Difficult to say. Does it reach the standard where you could impeach somebody? Certainly. Certainly easier. Sure. It's a, obviously that's a, a different standard than criminal. Right. So the, the problem with impeachment is that it is, as we learned from the last go around, <laughs> it's not particularly clear what that standard is. High crimes and misdemeanors seems as though you're talking about it has to be a crime beforehand, mm -hmm. but scholars, uh, when we were going through it beforehand, made the case that no, it doesn't really, that the decision on this was intentionally by the framers left in the hands of the people making this trial I and mean, so as a political decision. I really believe, though, that fomenting a insurrection was exactly what 
everyone assumed would be considered a high crime and misdemeanor. Uh, yeah. Uh, one one would think that would I mean, fit. I now, guess, and I guess then the, the debate becomes whether or not what he did was inciting the insurrection. But that's the question, not whether or not if he did incite it, it should be impeachable. So there's a lesson to be taken from the first impeachment mm-hmm. uh, in history. When Andrew Johnson was impeached, it was over the, you know, term of office act it was about whether or not he could fire a cabinet member and replace them it was it was a technical issue but certainly the sort of thing that you would look at and say that's not a high crime and misdemeanor but going into the context of it a large part of the discussion of that impeachment was that johnson had been encouraging violence against members of congress Mm -hmm. so this isn't entirely unprecedented that this might lead to impeachment. Sure. Yeah. But, but you know, kind of the flip side is that is he was not removed from office. He was not. So maybe we shouldn't get too excited about well, that historical and this brings, example. This brings to the next issue, which is that Alan Dershowitz, for instance, is saying that there's no way there can be a trial because by the time they get to a trial, Trump will be out of office and you're not allowed to impeach people who are no longer in office. That's a question. Uh, sure. I think the balance of the evidence would be on the side that, sure, you can. Uh, you can impeach people for what they did in office uh, that you, because the role of impeachment is to question whether or not they are faithfully executing their job. Right, and there are a lot of benefits that one gets for being a former president, right, that right. was not impeached. Right. Right, I know uh, there's a lot of social media memes going around about his lifetime salary, his travel budget, his Secret Service protection, and uh, I, and I think also there's some classified do- information, well, national security, national security briefings. issues. Yeah. So I mean, even though a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's only a matter of days," why why do this? I mean, there are definitely reasons. Right, and if you interpret what was going on in impeachment when it was placed there by the framers. It's not necessarily that the person is sitting there to be removed. It's also removing the trappings of that job based on what they did in that job. So that Mm -hmm. would suggest that Dershowitz is incorrect about this. Uh, That might be shocking to people that Dershowitz is incorrect about something over the last several years. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, But has any legal figure fallen from public grace as quickly or as far as Alan Dershowitz? That's a bold question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. That's a hard one. Yeah, I think. You know, if you had told me when I first started working at Above the Law that Alan Dershowitz would be someone that I I wouldn't respect. We roll our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have been shocked. I mean, Rudy's given him a Uh, run. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. No, but it's... but Rudy was always a fundamentally political as opposed to legal figure, or at least he had been since, you know, his, his time like in the, the mayor. Yeah. The eight, late 80s, the, the late yeah. 80s, he'd been more political. And I think that there's less of that inherent respect when people are making political judgments as opposed to legal judgments. And Dershowitz always historically tried to paint himself as making legal judgments. Right. I think that's fair. Yeah. But anyway, so that brings us to, you know, we, we've, we've discussed the legal standards for incitement and impeachment. Obviously... What happens with the president going forward is it's going to be an issue because if there is an impeachment, um, McConnell is saying that that he will utilize that trial to to drag out that trial to prevent the Democrats from passing anything in the early days of the Biden administration to just block things, which, you know, is uh, unfortunate because I think there's a lot of 
things that need to be done you know, on a bipartisan level very quickly. And that brings me to this question. Aww. How have law firms weathered previous economic downturns and come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn, lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. You know, I was wondering how you're going to get from insurrection yeah. to an ad read. And, yeah. and uh, it was pretty I mean, good. It was pretty listen, good. I'm a professional. So <laughs> the other option, uh, the argument that Pelosi has made leading into this mm-hmm. impeachment discussion is that what should actually happen is that Mike Pence and the cabinet should be involved in invoking the 25th mm-hmm. Amendment. In yeah, well, uh, the other thing four, that yeah. I think before we get to sort of the 25th mm-hmm. Amendment, the other option is that, you know, in order for removal to happen, you need 67 votes in the Senate. Correct. And very well politically connected former big law attorney George Conway. There's still big law attorney, but former. I thought he resigned. He, uh, he's he's. Uh, I thought he was off idiot. their website. Am I am I wrong about that? I th- I thought he was still there, but he's like of counsel, not partner. Oh, anymore. maybe that's it. Um, okay, George Conway, regardless, yeah, has tweeted out that he believes that there are six, and also married to Kellyanne Conway, right? He believes that there are sixty-seven votes in the Senate for removal right now. Mm-hmm. So you know he's he's obviously well connected. Uh, and so there, there's good re- – I mean, of course, he's also part of the Lincoln Project, so very uh, vocally anti-Trump. So, you know, he has his own perspective going into this. But he seems to think that the votes are there, which is not something that was sure. true in the first – there was never going to be the votes in the sure. first impeachment hearing. But the argument, is, the argument of the 25th Amendment is that it is actually easier and more streamlined for the cabinet uh, with the consent of the vice president to basically – sideline Trump. It would not remove Trump from office, despite some of the language that the media has about like, mm-hmm. oh, the 25th will strip him of his... It doesn't actually right, do that. Right, and he would still, after his term, he would still be considered a former president Correct. and have all the trappings of that office. What it would do, though, is make Mike Pence acting president right. and strip Trump of the ability to utilize his powers over the next few So Biden few would days. still be 46 in that world. Correct, correct. So the way the 25th Amendment works for people who uh, have been struggling with this, because as we previewed, not exactly a... Uh, yeah, I mean... Not, not, you, you don't spend a lot of time learning you don't, the 25th I, I think Amendment. that the only thing you really have to know about the 25th Amendment to get through law school is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so Professor Brian Colt from Michigan State has a book called Unfit, and you can follow him on uh, on the on Twitters. The um, He's like, not bad. Yeah, no, we're getting to that. Um, so he has a book uh, that deals with this because this is his uh, his thing. Unable is actually the name of the book. Oh, there you go. Which deals with this and walks you through exactly how this rule mm-hmm. works. So what would happen is the majority of the cabinet would have to vote that the president is unfit to or unable to do their so, duties, and Pence would have to agree with that. Okay, here's a question, though, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. there have been a lot of recent resignations from the cabinet. Right. There are several acting members of the cabinet that haven't, right. so, aren't formally so, members of the cabinet. So let, let's take the second part first, okay. because that's the important part. So, yes, there are acting members of the cabinet. For instance, the Secretary of Defense is an acting Secretary of Defense. Do those people Count. get a vote yeah. in this? The question is unclear. <laughs> the professor believes that they would actually get a vote, though in this instance, it would be you know, kind of a moot point, because you would need seven of the full cabinet to vote to get there. Mm-hmm. And if 
these three acting members were not able to vote, they would be removed from the denominator as well, which means you would need seven members of the remaining cabinet to vote. So it wouldn't really make a difference. That said, there's a question whether or not they should be able to vote. He seems to believe that based on the case law that's built up around this and the commentary that's built up around this over the years, that they would have a vote. In any event, they would have to vote and the vice president would have to agree, at which point Pence would become the acting president. If that happened, Trump would say, no, I'm actually okay, at which point the cabinet and the vice president would have four days to come up with a statement saying either we agree that you're okay Mm -hmm. and you can take over again, or we disagree. If they disagree after those four days, it gets sent over to Congress, at which point there would be two days to get them back in session. Well, yes. But if... Given that they're now back in session for the purposes of this impeachment stuff, uh, they don't need the two-day grace period of coming back into session, but they would have 21 days to come to a conclusion on whether or not— Which is uh, much longer than the amount of days we have left in any world of a Trump administration. So if Pence and the cabinet were to decide that Trump is unable to perform his duties— and then four days later be willing to double down on that, it would functionally put Mike Pence in charge for the remainder of this term. And importantly, Trump would no longer, assumedly, have access to the nuclear codes, for example. Right. all of these Because he, he does have access to that. He doesn't have access to Twitter. No Twitter, yes to the nuclear codes. That's right. where we again, are. Again, again. As a country. Again, not where, not where we are yet, but still. It's still important to say sometimes, Joe. Fair enough. So... All these things Say are happening. Say sometimes. You, you need to wait like 45 seconds. Like, you don't need to jump. Anyway, so, yes. But you do raise the secondary issue, which is some people have been resigning. Right. Betsy DeVos and Elaine Chow, Chow have both resigned. Uh, and what happens there? I mean, that means that there's now people who are acting in charge of those departments. And the same question applies, although now that would change the denominator and, and numbers a little bit. But yes, so that's that's what's mm-hmm. going on. Uh, but yes, so he has now lost a few extra members of the administration. You know, if you're interested in streamlining some administrative oh, tasks... Good one, good Yeah, one. check out our friends from Lexicon. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. That was a good one. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I mean, again, like the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's a that's a classic reference. So, let's finish up with a discussion that you've previewed a couple of times now. Let's talk about Twitter. Not a public utility. It is. It is not a public utility. Although, frankly, even if it were a public utility, it would be a different. Public utilities are a different animal even than what Mm -hmm. this is about. The president's been perma-banned from Twitter, as have many uh, vocal followers of his and acolytes who have been, you know, tweeting things like, it's okay to kill Capitol Police officers and stuff. See, you can't do that and still be on there because Twitter will say, we don't want you on our entirely private company platform. If it were a public utility, they it's still they would have some latitude there, but it wouldn't be nearly as free as uh, as it is when it's private. That said, 
the response that came from these corners is mostly about a law called Section 230. And it's people making claims that we need to get rid of Section 230 because these tech companies are telling Trump he can't be on online. That doesn't even make sense to me. It does not. That is just like somebody responding with, this is the other thing I've heard about tech. It's really dumbfounding, actually, that this Section 230 has become this punching bag mm-hmm. because in reality, without Section 230... It would become way more restricted. Trump, w- Trump would have been banned years, years ago, ago. Yeah. but for Section 230. Correct. It's the most deliberately misunderstood yeah. piece of law going right now. Yeah. Uh, Section 230, for those who don't know, is a provision that basically is what allows the internet to function. It's the provision that says if you are, say, Twitter, and you invite the public to comment in your place, you are not liable if somebody who comments on your platform says something wrong. So if somebody gets on your platform and defames somebody, they can't go after Twitter. Twitter is not responsible for people who defame folks on their platform. The person who wrote the words is responsible, which seems fair. Right, because otherwise, in a struggle to get at the deepest possible pocket, mm-hmm. you would always say, oh, so-and-so made up a lie about me, and, and it went to it a on... million people because mm-hmm. it was on Twitter, so, so now Twitter, Twitter needs right. to give me my money. That would be ridiculous. So we have this law that says that's not how it works. That's Section 230. The conservative backlash against Trump being taken off of Twitter is has to been... make it more likely that he would have been taken off Right. A long They're time like, ago. we need to get rid of Section 230. Yeah. And it's like, cool, then Twitter would have said forever ago, this is a dangerous, loose cannon. It is interesting that it's just so uh, devoid of actual information or a way to act. The other thing I have heard, which, you know, kind of getting into the public utilities, is that, oh, Twitter needs to be taken over by the government. Otherwise, we're socialists. Yeah, otherwise it'd be communist. Yeah, I did hear that one, too. Yeah, I've seen that a couple of different places. And again, the, the, the lack of understanding of irony... I think in the far right has really been stark and also a struggle for me to take any of these arguments seriously. I'm like, how do you not see what's happening? This is what happens when you have a whole generation growing up thinking that Alanis Morissette's definition of irony (laughs) is real. Stop. There's so many better punching bags right now. No, fair. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But still. Listen, Jagged Little Pill was a great album. It sure was. Still is. Yeah. Okay. That's my my musical information for the day. Cool. But the point (laughs) remains, this idea of how to deal with Twitter. And look, I'm Mm. sympathetic to the idea that we have emboldened a small number of private outlets to be our primary ways of communicating with the world, Mm -hmm. of which Twitter is not one, by the way. It's, It's one that people like me and Trump are freakishly into, but... In the grand scheme of things, Facebook dwarfs it by orders of magnitude. I think that's definitely true. But the other part about Twitter is that it becomes stories that are then amplified by mainstream media. You know, screenshots of tweets are a large part of my Instagram feed. Of course. You know, and it also becomes part of the news cycle. And Instagram, of course, being... Also Facebook. part of the Facebook. No, that, but that's what I'm saying when you were saying that Facebook dwarfs. Yeah. Yeah. Or at uh, least so for now. It, it is problematic that a bunch of, a, that a small cadre of mm-hmm. megalomaniacal tech people control the way in which we communicate. I agree. The answer to that it's is none of the things you're suggesting. <laughs> certainly not 
making it so that they feel personally liable if somebody says right. dumb things on their platform because that's the answer for not having you on that platform. Right. Anyway, speaking of platforms, Parler's in trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and I guess that was the response you said, you know, it's disturbing that so there are so few platforms that kind of control it. And there was an effort to create a new right wing platform in Parler. Not everyone knows what Parler is. If you're not kind of super plugged in for a while, you may not have heard it before the insurrection. Uh, but it's sort of an alternative to Twitter. Right wing Twitter, basically. Right wing Twitter. Right. Um, but you can't just kind of create uh, some sort of a quick little account where you're anonymous. You had to actually submit detailed information about who you are and, and that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, so you had to give them, to access some of their services, you had to give them your pictures of your li driver's license and stuff. They were really trying to avoid mm -hmm. it being taken over by folks. Unfortunately, it was built on a WordPress plugin, uh, which is, you know, an open source wonderful platform. We love WordPress. <laughs> we do. Unfortunately, it is also a platform that is you know, an open source thing that has changes to it that, uh, you know, leads to some mm -hmm. insecurities. And I have noticed today that apparently hacking groups have cracked into Parler and have now been releasing direct messages that had been sent on the platform, deleted messages from the platform, uh, basically a whole history of this conversation beyond just what was quote unquote public on Parler is now out there for authorities to look at. Obviously, there's some poisonous tree elements of uh, hacking being how this stuff came to the public. But now that it's in public purview, uh, it seems like something that is more than fair game for prosecutors mm -hmm. to uh, look into. But, you know, access to Parler itself is kind of down at the moment. Yes. Well, it's kind of down for a lot of reasons. And right. one of them is uh, it doesn't have a server to be on yeah. uh, because Amazon uh, AWS was at the server that it lived on. They have... Mm -hmm said you can't do that anymore mm -hmm. uh, and cut and them off. Both Google and Apple have taken the app off of their right. platforms. So it's basically impossible. Like it just doesn't have a place to live at this point. The parlor people are certainly upset about it. Obviously, I think we can assume they're going to complain bitterly that this was unfair. Sure, but which, now they have less places to say that. Fewer places to say that. Yeah, no. And, th and but I'm just saying that like their deal with AWS has resulted in a uh, what Amazon clearly sees as a breach that allows them to terminate it, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, that's why it's important to understand what's in your contracts. And if you work with contracts and don't use contract tools, you're missing a lot. Save time, make more money, and do a better job for your clients with Contract Tools by Paper Software. Contract Tools is the most powerful word add-in for working with contracts. Thousands of lawyers all over the world rely on Contract Tools every day for every kind of deal. Visit papersoftware.com to watch a demo and get a free trial. As a special offer to podcast listeners, use coupon code LTN2020 to get one month free. That's papersoftware.com and LTN2020. That was slick. I mean, look. Uh, Listen, that's pretty yeah. Slick. I mean, I I do my job. Preparing. It is also true that contracts are sort of foundational to a lot of business. Yeah. Uh, but that was yeah good job. Yeah. Two points. Thanks. So this concludes a nice little roundup, and we didn't even get into Rudy's about to get kicked out of the New York State bar, and then uh, there was another big law attorney. Yeah. Right. Uh, so last week's episode was largely about Cleta Mitchell and her role in the call between. Oh right. Yeah. It, that was last week. <laughs> it was. It was only yeah. last week. So last guys. week we talked about Cleta Mitchell's problems. As it turns out, a another lawyer who was identified on the call only right, by their first name and never spoke. Right. And that was the call between uh, Trump, uh, Trump and the Georgia and the, officials. The Georgia officials trying to get them to find 11,000 votes. Right. Uh, as it turns out, the 
person only identified as Alex. We mm-hmm. were able to uh, above the law crack reporting. Above the law exclusive crack investigative reporting was able to work out that that was mm-hmm. uh, Fox Rothschild partner Alex. As a reminder, Alex above Peacock. the law tipsters are the best, and that you should is continue true. to give us all of your insights into the legal world. Uh, you can email us tips at above the law dot com. That's right. Uh, when I say crack reporting oh, what sure. it really was was we got a tipster who let us know which sure. well, there led were, to us to there then were lots of dig. tips people uh, guessing who Alex right there were several several dead actually, ends you would you would also put in one of your stories if anybody knows who Alex right. is let me know so you know but there was lots of information you went through it yeah. all and and, so. and found out anyway uh since then Fox Rothschild has severed well, they not, they have mutually agreed to separate. And his father as well, His right? father as well. Uh, mm-hmm. They will be going back theoretically to, they originally had a firm of them, their own that merged into Fox Rothschild. One would assume they go back to their own private practice. But yes, so that was a follow-up to that story from last week. Mm-hmm. So good job on that. Uh, yeah, people have lost their jobs. It's been, it's been, uh, right. it's been a busy yeah. A busy run. It's been a lot. We've written a lot of stories since last we spoke. Yeah. So check all those out on Above the Law. Uh, hopefully by the time we talk next week, there'll be, you know, less stuff to talk about because this was a lot. I can't imagine that would oh, be Oh, no, true. it won't be. Anyway, like so- Like just thinking about all the things that are inevitably going to happen this week is exhausting. Fair enough. And it's only Monday. Well, I mean, it's, we re- it's re- Wednesday. We record this on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So anyway, with that said, thanks everybody for listening. You should be subscribed to this podcast so you get it downloaded every time it comes out. You should leave us reviews, stars, as well as write something because that's always nice and shows engagement, which is useful for the algorithm to realize that we're really a podcast. You should be reading Above the Law, as always, so you can check up on these stories as well as a bazillion other things we've had to write this week. I mean, I had to write about Tiger Woods' mistress this week. Like, these are things that are actually coming up in law. You contain multitudes. Yeah, I mean, it's a busy... It's a busy time. You should be following us on Twitter because we're actually both still there. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She, (laughs) She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. By the way, last week I also said my... uh, my New Year's resolution was to use Twitter more uh-huh. if you recall on the podcast. And I think uh, you've tweeted twice since then. That's not true. Oh. Because of the coup, I've tweeted a bunch. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. It's uh, really helping me. And I think I said I was going to use Instagram more, and I really haven't. <laughs> so that's fair. So uh, you should be listening to the other shows. Uh, Catherine also hosts a show called The Jabot. I'm part of the Legal Tech Week News Roundup. We have... Many other shows that we aren't on as part of the Legal Talk Network that you should be listening to. And with all of that said, now I I kind of vaguely think I got through everything. So as a parting thought, let's just thank Contract Tools by Paper Software, LexisNexis Interaction, and Lexicon for sponsoring the show. And we will chat again next week. week.